0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: When we look at the stats, we know that there have been more and more school shootings. Does your research show that there's, I don't know, some kind of feedback loop here, that the more that we see, the more will happen?
0: There does seem to be an element of that going on. So we know that school shootings in America are socially contagious, so when one happens, you tend to see clusters of others happening. And we also know that school shooters study other school shooters and sort of model their behavior after them.
1: Is there a common link to, to motive? I know we're at the point at this point still trying to figure out what the motive in this most recent case is.
0: Yeah. I mean, motive is a hard question when it comes to school shooters. So we do see these commonalities and the pathway to violence. So we often see um, pretty horrible childhoods with things like um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, parental suicide. We see that escalate over time and the perpetrators often kind of lonely, isolated, depressed, oftentimes they've attempted suicide previously. And then there's a moment where that kind of self-loathing and self-hate turns outward, and it's sort of, whose fault is this? And school shooters, of course, tend to blame their schools and their peers.
1: And so we see school shooters going back to schools where they attended or have some connection to?
0: Yeah. So this one, this case is a little unusual because we haven't found out the connection to that elementary school yet, but in our database, over 90% of perpetrators um, do the shooting at their current school or in some cases, their former school.
1: It is you, you talked about the background and this commonality of, of childhood trauma. How difficult is it to identify someone who you know might pose a threat going forward
0: you know it's really difficult at that stage and of course so many people experience childhood trauma and don't grow up to do anything violent um but we know that that seems to kind of be the soil where this grows out of what we do know about school shooters in particular is over 80 percent of the time they're leaking their plans so they're telling other people they're going to do this the most common people they tell is there's classmates where they post on social media There's always these warning signs and red flags. The student is acting different. And so a lot of our work focuses on how do we build systems where people know how to identify these warning signs and then know how to intervene.
1: And and you talk about leaking, about, you know, sort of this sort of planning. I mean, it's easy for, you know, others to sort of think, wow, they're, you know, just having a bad day or not take them seriously. But how do we then flag these potential people and make sure that they don't have weapons?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in our research, one thing that we discovered is I think we tend to think of these perpetrators as these these evil monsters that are sort of outside of our world that we couldn't imagine anybody in our lives ever doing something like this. But the reality is, is these perpetrators are insiders. They're students at the school, they're neighbors, they're nephews. And so I think... Grappling with the fact that when someone says something like this, they could actually be planning on doing it is just something that we have to get our heads around. And then we need people trained in how to assess, how to tell if someone's on this pathway, how to check for weapons. And actually, one of the biggest risk factors for this is suicidality, because these school shootings tend to be suicides in addition to being homicides.
1: Is there a problem in the way that we report um, and we disseminate the information of these shootings that then, you know, causes someone later on to say, well, I, I, I'm going to do the same thing? Is it is it the fact that we're looking at the shooter's background and, and that there's some kind of notoriety or fame associated with it?
0: Yeah, there is some evidence for that. So one of the goals of a shooting like this is to be seen, to be witnessed, to make the headlines, to have their grievance and anger spread across the world. We just saw this happen with the Buffalo shooting where his 120-page horrific diary, suddenly we're all reading and dissecting and talking about. And that really is the goal. We're the audience. And this is meant for us to be watched and witnessed. And so this move towards no notoriety means let's not give these perpetrators the stage that they're looking for. So let's focus on victims. Let's not show their picture. Let's not name them. At the same time, you know, I just wrote a book called The Violence Project, which really does a deep dive into the life histories of these perpetrators. But we're very careful in that book to never actually name any of them, to not give any of them more notoriety than they already have.
1: Because it, how do we study uh, the, the backgrounds and the commonalities between the shooters if, if we don't look at that? That seems to be a bit of a catch-22
0: Yeah, I think it is. So we do want to do the deep dive analysis and understand how perpetrators are getting to this point. I think that's different than some of the news coverage we see in the wake of these mass shootings where it's what he ate for breakfast and anybody he's ever known and his picture sort of flashed on the front page of the paper. So I think it's striking a balance between doing the research, but not giving the fame that they're seeking.
1: For us on this side of the border, as Canadians, I think we're 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 watching in in alarm something like you know it's like almost you're watching something in your cousin's house being torn apart. Um, And I I just wonder, for your perspective, you you study this, um, you obviously you're an American, you're, you're watching this in your own country. How do you process this information?
0: You know, at this point, I feel like I am tired and honestly kind of angry, right? It's just like, we know what we need to do. We know what we need to do, but this, these tragedies never seem to translate into actual action and into policy. And they happen over and over and over again, they get our attention and then they fade away and they just seem to be getting more and more horrific. So I'm just really hoping that this time we actually see some movement.
1: Do you believe that? I mean, considering The horror that followed Sandy Hook. And then now here we are again.
0: I know. You know, I, I don't know if I believe it. I think there's things that we need to do at the societal level, things around gun control, things around access to mental health care. And then there's also things, though, that we can do kind of as institutions and as individuals, things that schools can do, things that workplaces can do things that we can do for each other in terms of crisis intervention and suicide prevention. So that's the piece that gives me a bit of hope that even if our legislature is locked and not moving, maybe there are things that we can do without them.
1: Jillian Peterson, thank you so much for your time today.
0: Thank you.